Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to The Pastor's Study. In recent months, have you been reading about the controversy in the United Methodist Church? The United Methodist Church is a pretty liberal, mainline Protestant denominations like the ELCA Lutherans, PCUSA Presbyterians. But for some reason, the United Methodist Church hasn't gotten through the pro-gay stuff that the other denominations are. So they had a convention recently in the news, and they still couldn't get past that United Methodist pastors can do gay weddings or someone can be a practicing homosexual and a pastor in the in the United Methodist Church. So I thought we better do a show on this and ask how come they can't get it through? Hallelujah, I'm glad they didn't. But we there the United Methodist Church tends to be pretty liberal, but there are conservative evangelical Bible-believing United Methodist pastors. We've got two of them on the show to talk about this controversy. First, I want to introduce you to Randy Tabor. Hi, Randy. Hey, Tom, thanks. You're a Methodist pastor here in the Twin yep, Cities. Yeah, born again, spirit-filled. And over here is Wesley Gable. Hi, Tom. Wesley. John Wesley founded the Methodist Church, so he was named after John Wesley. But we're going to get into the big controversy and the split now in the United Methodist Church. Before we do, though, I always like to ask our guests, in a nutshell, Wesley, how did you become a Christian? Wow, my parents uh, were passionate evangelists in my life and the life of our family and elsewhere. And so early as I can remember, Jesus, I was sold out to him. Okay. Uh, and so uh, I can recall even at age four when I was uh, not allowed to have communion, weeping and telling my dad, I love Jesus too, <laughs> and him giving me communion in the parsonage. At age four? Age four. Wow. Age four. How about you, Randy? How did you come to know Christ? Well, when I was like five or six years old, I started reading the Bible, and then I had a very good mental knowledge of the Bible. But it wasn't until, like, in college, I was pre-med, and I went to a Jesus festival, the Jesus people on that. Oh. And, you know, the Lord touched me, and, you know, I just, uh, spirit-filled, and I just knew God was really real. Okay, you know, good. So, so college. Okay. All right, let's talk about Methodism. Um, just in a nutshell, either whoever wants to answer any of these, what's the, I'm a Lutheran. What's the difference between the Methodists and the other branches of Christianity? Whoever would like to do that. Do you want me to feel that, Randy? Yeah. Take All it. right, I'll do that. Uh, Tom, what is really different about uh, Methodism is the emphasis on grace that transforms us into the likeness of Christ. Mm -hmm. uh, there's justifying grace that forgives us immediately. Mm -hmm. But there is a sanctifying grace, a way that we can be made perfect in love. Okay. Perfect in love. A little child can be so overcome with love that they aren't thinking any kind of bitterness, any kind of selfishness, they're so forth. It's tough to live in that, okay. to grow in that. So we believe in a grace that changes us. And, and, and so we believe in a grace that changes us and that we need to embrace that grace. Okay. We need to welcome that grace and we need to grow in that grace that saves us completely. In fact, we believe we are to live to the full stature of Jesus Christ. Okay. And isn't that the controversy in the Methodist Church that the more liberal people, especially the liberal bishops, are saying 
Well, if you're saved by grace, you can live a homosexual lifestyle. And isn't that the crux of the issue? I'm not sure that we even agree on what salvation means at all. That's how bad it's gotten. It bit, the diversity we have of opinion and theology has created an inability for us to have a single witness yeah. and to capture that distinctive and to help people embrace the grace yeah. for which we were really, I believe, that God put us into this church family and into this denominational family to share this grace and see yeah. lives change. And I'm not sure we can do that you know with that like, kind of diversity of theology. The reason that I believe in the devil is the same demons that have attacked the United Methodist Church have attacked the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, Presbyterian Church USA, the Episcopal Church in America, the United Church of Christ, and those demons are Jesus is not the only way to get to heaven. You don't Amen. have to believe in Christ to be saved. Uh, let's not talk about God the Father so much. Let's let's expand and pray to God the Mother. Um, homosexuality is okay. Abortion's okay. The same demons that you've struggled with are in all the denominations, and it is so organized. I'm not saying any humans organizing this, but it seems demonic to me. And, and so let let's let's talk about the controversy. Whoever wants to uh, to, to to do this. What happened at the re most recent United Methodist Convention that caused all the news media? Well, I've been seeing this coming, you know, for the last almost 50 years. I went to conference as kind of a lay delegate from the rural church, and I couldn't believe, you know, I, I knew that issues were servicing. And then when I went to a very liberal sem seminary in Twin Cities, that was kind of the prominent thing. You know, like 40 years ago, it was a a kager. Yeah, uh, that was professors. controversial. <laughs> yeah, right That's right not, in the seminary. Yeah. Right in the seminary. And there were the, a lot of the professors were writing, you know, books on uh, um, liberal theology, mm -hmm. you know, and liberation theology. And I, currently, I, you know, I see such a warfare going on that I just, I, we're a connectional system. And I think, thank God for you know, the African, the European, okay. Latin American churches, you know, 99% of them are, you know, really supportive of the discipline. And you know, that's why, discipline. explain, whoever would like to, explain why the internationals are blocking the liberalism from mm -hmm. taking over the United Methodist Church. Well, I think uh, in the last general conference, it was a special general conference to deal with this issue, to kind of put it to end so that we wouldn't be fighting over this all the time. Uh -huh. We would get on to the focus of helping people experience and grow in a salvation that changes everything for them and changes everyone they, they touched. I mean, everything is impacted by that. Uh -huh. That's what we wanted to be about. Well, so this general conference was to take care of that. About 70% of the American delegation and, and higher with clergy, lower with laity, uh, voted progressively on the issue of changing the discipline and changing our viewpoint to of marriage. A, to allow homosexuality. To allow homosexuality, the practice of homosexuality. And whatever other ethics went along with that. There was more than that. Transgenderism probably. All kinds of ethics yep. with that, all right? Mm -hmm. So uh, that was about 70% of the delegates with a high percentage of that being clergy. That voted and for it. That voted for that. Okay. But that turned out, when you added the Africans and the East Europeans and the Philippines, to be about 41.1% uh -huh. of, of the delegates at the General Conference. So that's what we encountered. And uh, I think in 
those areas, uh, for example, our Minnesota area, I think uh, people thought a one-church plan would pass now where... explain what that is. Uh, let me say, the one-church okay. plan would pass where pastors could opt out of this new ethic and local churches could opt out of this new ethic, but we'd have to trust the bishops to appoint pastors to churches that would be... Uh, be in agreement and be in consensus. And the liberal bishops <laughs> came up with this, the American yes. bishops, right? Well, um, a, a special commission that they asked for, but the bishops had uh, prescribed what kinds of things could be considered there. And the traditionalist plan was one of the things that was not able to be considered in that commission. And it was the traditionalist plan that was drafted outside that commission and just reviewed shortly by some of the members Which is that actually passed at general conference which upset the apple cart for almost all those folks who thought this is the way the United Methodist Church was going to go. Let me make sure I got this. I, the way I understood it, most of the liberal bishops wanted to push this one church plan to let, let every district do whatever they want to do, basically. At every congregation. Yep. And the conservatives won with their, with their uh, but the great majority of the American you had, uh, Methodist bishops and laity that were there wanted the gay stuff to go through. Am I right? That's true that the majority of laity were, but the vast majority of, of clergy from America were the ones. Were liberal. So, in fact, a, a recent survey by the United Methodist Communications uh, 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 organization revealed that 44% of United Methodist laity are traditionalist. Um, about uh, 20% or 19% are progressive, and the others are centrist. And centrist, you can't just lump them in with the progressives. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, as a consequence, um, the American church was not represented that way at General Conference. They were more on the liberal side. Very more. So yeah. the leadership that was elected was different than the people in the All pews. Right. So you, you've got the internationals blocking the liberal stuff going through. Now, I know that the uh, Methodist, liberal Methodists in America are very upset that they didn't do what the Lutherans, ELCA Lutherans, etc. have done. Are they going to leave? Are they going to split? Are they going to stay and bring it up next year? What, what's, the, what's the status on this? We have a number of annual conferences that are in defiance to the Book of Discipline right now. Um, and so, uh, consequently right now, we are living as two churches. And unless we want to go through the pain of dragging our brothers and sisters along a path they don't want to go, we're going to have to come to some way of moving separately. I suspect uh, that in May of 2020, in Minneapolis here, uh, a decisive vote will occur. My, uh, I'm not prophetic on this, but my best uh, understanding is that we will probably uh, see the United Methodist Church as it is stop and uh, what they call multiplying expressions of Methodism, that will probably occur. There will probably be two, if not three, entities that come out of Minneapolis. That's my best guess. Don't know that for Who sure. Who will get the seminaries? Um, it's going to be worked out in that. That would be, I mean, when you talk about, okay. you talk about dividing things out, that's a painful thing. How do you show love? How do you stay in principle? What do you do with that? All that becomes a very difficult thing. Well. In the, in the ELCA Lutheran Church, what they did, they'd lose, and the liberals would come back a couple years later, and they tried again. Finally, back in uh, 2009, they got it passed. Do you think, are, it, it, but it sounds like maybe that's not going to happen, 
they're going to split this time. Do you think so? Uh, look, 22 delegates that were previously in the United States are now going to come from Africa because the Christian faith is exploding in Africa, it's growing in the Philippines, it's growing in Eastern and this Europe. this is the Methodist Church. This Methodist is the United Church. Methodist Church. Uh -huh. And so we're becoming more and more international as a church. Consequently, this is no longer going to be just a Western cultural issue okay. or an American issue. And so uh, the writing is on the wall. I mean, our next two general conferences after Minneapolis are located in Africa and Asia. Oh, so they that's come where every, it's they growing. Come, they come every four years. And the Methodist Church is shrinking in America. So, so we're looking at really the face of the United Methodist Church changing regardless. Okay. Now, technically, legally, the United Methodist Church in America does not ordain practicing homosexuals and does not marry homosexual couples. Are liberal bishops enforcing that at all? Uh, I don't see that happening. They have uh, Board of Ordained Ministries that are working with them that are in defiance. Uh, and, uh, and in fact, of course, uh, Colorado received a practicing homosexual as a bishop. bishop. And that, well, they did. that's what precipitated a okay. lot Came of the California. problem in 2016. It, are, is he or she still in office? She is still in office. There's charges, but these things have been percolating and part of the part of the reaction of the 2019 general conference was how do you deal with this all right so we're we're uh, we have an entire jurisdiction of churches that are in defiance of the discipline all right so the next convention is a year from now <laughs> New, yeah in February may of 2020. 2020 right all right or february um, isn't it may all right may, let, may. let me ask you this question uh the congregation i served for 29 years when we found out the ELCA was paying for abortions with offering dollars, abortion for any reason whatsoever, that was one of the things that made us move out of the ELCA. And I know I have Presbyterian friends who have left the Presbyterian Church USA, same reason, same issues, the abortion payments, the gay stuff. Um, do you think someone who believes like we do should stay in the United Methodist Church or should they jump ship? What do you, what's your opinion? <laughs> <laughs> you want us to talk? No. Ah. This guy, I mean, grew up really Methodist. I yeah. mean, his mother, his father. Methodist. Wesley Gable is his name. Yeah, Wesley <laughs> Gable. I mean, I, I, I have, you know, strong, strong heartstrings with the Methodist Church, but, and I'm hoping, I, you know, this question, I, I know my pensions and I'm threatened in the church, you know, and, but I just, um, I, I really don't know. You know, I read the material and cite some of the statistics and that. I, I hope and pray that God's hand is really going to be. All right. You know, so would you wait for now if you were a conservative Methodist? Oh, yes. You'd yes. stay in? Yeah, what stay, would you, stay What in. would you say? I, I'm encouraging. I have people calling me, and I encourage them to stay. Listen, I believe that God is involved in this also. Mm -hmm. In fact, I think God has a plan and a purpose. I think that we're moving towards a new day when we're going to see a vibrant Christian faith and a recapturing of the grace that changes lives, trumpeted and shared and experienced and growing. Uh, when I was going through my doctoral program, I was with C. Peter Wagner much of the time. He said the fastest way to reach a culture is birth a new denomination. Oh. I think we're in a messy birthing period when we're going to be going through some labor some pains. Labor pains <laughs> 
but we will be coming out of it more focused on our mission than our tradition. We're going to be coming out of it focused more on the grace that God gives us and the fact that people need Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. People need the transforming love. They need the forgiveness, but they need the transformation that Jesus brings into lives. And, and you know, Wesley, what I, I just read through, even though I've left the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, we still talk about it a lot on this show to help people get out of it, to join a more biblical branch of Lutheranism. I've been reading through the conventions of the ELCA this summer. Wow. I mean, it's, it's feminism, it's homosexuality, it's transgenderism, it's, uh, you know, climate change. And can we talk about Jesus for the salvation of souls? You know, that, that, that's my concern. Tell us about something called the Good News Group within the United Methodist Church. What is that? You know, I just wanted to touch a little bit on what Wes yeah. said, too, and what you shared. I really believe that a lot of these almost fascist terms like progressivism, um, you know, communism and socialism, I really believe, you know, this is kind of Randy Tabor, but I just really believe that that it's going to be exposed after this next election for oh. what it is. And then that the idea of progressivism and sometimes they use the word salvation. I think we're going to go back to the old terminology of the uh -huh. good news. Right. Which, That's you know, the Methodist Church, you know, part of the evangelical conservative Methodist Church, the good news, you know, is really believes in, you know, modern or that the original Methodism in yeah. the EUB, you know. Which so is I, biblical. Oh, it's biblical. Yeah. Yeah. But now, you know, Wesley came and said, Scripture, tradition, reason, and experience. Well, you use Wesley's four criteria of Scripture, tradition, reason, and experience. You know, that, that annihilates, you know, this progressive movement mm -hmm. and this, you know, communism, fascism, mm -hmm. socialism. Mm -hmm. I mean, they, you know, these terms that they're kind of new agey. Yeah. We got to go back to the word good news, you know, mm -hmm. being born again, what salvation yep. actually means. The Bible, yep. you know, the Bible, scripture, tradition, reason, and experience. You use those four criterias, you know, to, uh, to filter what's going on in the church. Yep. Scripture, yep. tradition, reason, and experience. That was Wesley's quadrilateral. And, and just in case people don't know, John Wesley in the 1700s got converted in England, got on horseback, rode all over England, part of America, Amen. founded the Methodist Church preaching the gospel. Just in case you don't know, that's who Wesley uh, was. And Emptied the saloons. And he did, and he, he uh, turned England kind of upside down. And then there was the revival Methodist movement in the United States. So uh, there is a group, though, called the Good News. And can you tell me about that? What is the Good News group within the United Methodist Church? Good News Movement is a collection of people who believe in scriptural Christianity and want it practiced in their life of the church. Uh, it was founded uh, by Charles Kaiser back in uh, 1967 with an article he wrote, uh, The Moral Minority, or The, the uh, Silent Minority is what he called it. And out of that became a coalition and, and coalescing of believers. So in 1968, they had their founding convention. It was interesting. My father was a part of that. Oh. And, um, and I had a chance to work with Charles Kaiser when I was in seminary back in the, the 1970s. And that movement has been heralding uh, what it means to be faithful and organizing believers who want this grace to be mm -hmm. shared unadulterated mm -hmm. by, by the yeast 
of our culture. There you go. And I think uh, that has been the focus of that. Now there has been other groups. The Confessing Movement is a part of the United Methodist Church. They focus on the theological side. And then more recently, in 2016, was born the Wesleyan Covenant Association. And that has been become kind of a, a collection where they're beginning to build a grassroots foundation and an organization where people who are United Methodist uh, can land and be supported and uh, and have a future together. Okay, good. So that's some of the, what's unfolded in the in the in the years. If somebody past. does decide they that they want to leave the United Methodist Church, are there other branches of Methodism that are good that they can join? Wesleyan. The Wesleyan Church. Oh, there's Free Methodist, Wesleyan Church. There's also the Nazarene. Those are all offshoots of the United Methodist Church or okay. of the Methodist Church. Okay. Holy Methodist Holy. movement. And 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 they're a lot smaller. The big one is liberal, but the other yeah. ones are smaller. Yes, Same with are. the ELC. The ELC is the big Lutheran liberal yeah. church, but yeah. the other ones are yeah. all good, but they're smaller. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm just curious too. Uh, I just want to test this out because I know the Lutheran church the best. In the liberal ELC Lutheran church, you still need to believe in the Trinity and the deity of Christ, I think, to be a pastor. Although, you know, they're playing with God the Mother mimicry too, but, but you need to believe in the Trinity and the deity of Christ to be a, 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 an ELCA Lutheran pastor, I believe. Is that true? Can you deny the Trinity or deny the deity of Christ and still be a Methodist pastor? Do you know of any of that going <laughs> that's, on? That's a real tough one. I mean, I, I struggled with that 45 years ago in seminary. UCC was going through that. And, United and, Church of Christ. Yeah, yeah. And, and I know that and probably they, over 50% of the Methodist ministers today are female, and I think they're very careful about using the word and, Father. And I, but you know the United Church of Christ? They used to believe in the Trinity, most of them still do, but you can now deny the deity of Christ, deny the Trinity, and be a pastor in the United Church of Christ. So mm -hmm. the Trinity doesn't matter. So we've talked about already that <coughs> the United Methodist Church is at least two, that there are conferences and jurisdiction, at least a jurisdiction, that's operating in defiance of the doctrine mm -hmm. and the discipline of the church. So, Minnesota, or different annual conferences are different groupings of pastors and churches. And uh, Minnesota Annual Conference is one of them. And dependent upon the Board of Ordained Ministry and that bishop, the clergy that come through that might have differing views. Some might be very careful and very orthodox and holding to the Christian faith that has been passed down to us from the apostles. Mm -hmm. And some of them may not be. And so uh, I would say that in many places there are clergy who I would call not Trinitarian, at least I don't think they are from Ooh. what I get, uh, because Ooh. of where they're at. Really. And I would also say that there are many that don't believe in the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. Ooh, okay, ooh, ooh. they've spiritualized it, and, and, yeah. or mythologized it. Oh my my! And so that's in different places. And so what we're talking about is not really a division that's just about human sexuality and our human identity. It's, it's also the about basics of the, the faith. apostolic faith, yeah. what it is to be authentically yeah. true yeah. to what God has revealed. And and. You know, in the Lutheran, uh, ELC Lutheran Church too, you've got the head bishop denying that people go to hell. Yeah. And, and so the hell doesn't exist for some of these people. And are there any 
conservative evangelical United Methodist bishops in the United States? Yes, there are. There are. There okay. are. Okay. And so when we talk about the majority of bishops, or when we use the word bishops, um, we're papering or generalizing about people, but there are, there are men and women of God who love Jesus and believe in the scriptures. In fact, you know, I think one of the problems is, is that we, in interpreting scripture, have talked about uh, methods of interpreting scripture. And all scripture, all scripture is God-breathed, isn't Amen. it? So the best thing is not looking at history and letting historians be the popes or the ones who officially tell you what that scripture means. The best thing is hear the whole scripture. Read it. Yeah. Hear everything yep. that God has revealed. Yeah, amen. Out of that, I mean, if I want to know what my wife has to say, studying the culture she's in uh, might be a little bit of help. Knowing the historical context of that might be a little bit of help. But the best help in understanding my wife is just listen to her. <laughs> listen to amen. what she said before. <laughs> listen to what she says now. Listen as she goes on. So we need to. Read That's what we need to do with in, the scriptures. In, That's indeed. what we need to do in interpreting and belief, understanding. God. My belief is if somebody is reading the Bible regularly, they're going to know, of course, God's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Yeah. Of course, abortion is wrong. Homosexuality is wrong. Of course, Jesus is the only way to heaven. John 14, verse 6. He said it himself, yeah. Yeah. you know. Yeah. And so what, what, that what's happened is the churches just stopped listening to the scriptures and they started listening to the world. Yeah. Oh, exactly. The culture yeah, came into the church it's culture, rather than the church it's, going into the culture. There you go. And, and well, we've got only about two minutes left, but uh, I want, I want, now this is broadcast all over America now, but just in case you live in the Twin Cities and you want to stay United Methodist and you want a good biblical uh, pastor, Randy, where's your church? Olivet United Methodist in Robbinsdale, Minnesota. Robbinsdale, Minnesota, Olivet United Methodist. Correct. Where's your church? Osseo United Methodist Church. In Osseo, Osseo Minnesota. Minnesota right. And then uh, real quickly, you were telling me at a really good evangelical Methodist Bible camp. What is yeah. that? Red, Red Rock, Rock Camp. Red Rock Powerful Camp. Powerful camp. Painesville, Minnesota. Once a year, we have Christians get together of all ages. You're talking about 90 to 9 months or under that. And they're gathered together to seek the grace that transforms them into the likeness of Christ. We've been doing it for 151 years. Wow. God calls good Bible. God okay. has raised up all kinds of Methodist pastors and missionaries. And of course, all kinds of pastors and all kinds of denominations have come from that as well as missionaries. Wonderful. And God is doing just a terrific work in changing again? lives. Red Rock Camp. In Corona. It, it'll be, it's held once a year at Lake Coronas, Coronas. near Painesville, Minnesota. Okay, good. Powerful good. experience. Well, listen, mm -hmm. Randy, thank you. Well, thank you, Tom. Wesley, thank you. Thank you. And everybody, uh, we've got 46 seconds here left, but just um, pray for the United Methodist Church. Pray for the That's ELCA right. Lutheran Amen. Church, United Church of Christ. Frankly, for these other denominations, I don't see repentance or revival coming. They've gone off the cliff. God can do anything. I don't see any signs that God is going to bring those churches back. I pray he does. So pray for your church. Find a good Bible preaching church and go every week and uh, make sure you're reading the Bible every day yourself so you don't get duped. God bless you, and we'll see you next time at the Pastor's Study. Thank you for watching the Pastor's Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org. Or write the Pastor's Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God 
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always. If you've been blessed by the pastor's study, would you consider a tax-deductible gift to help us reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ? You can donate at our website, pastorsstudy.org, two S's, or mail a check to the pastor's study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55441. May the Lord bless you and have a wonderful week.